Make the choice to begin anywhere in your life, and the journey has started. We exist more than just to educate. We exist to also revitalize. And along the way, you can inspire others and be inspired. But now there's a new generation of scholars, and I am among them. If you really want to know who you are and what you are capable of, Howard is the choice for you. Take a moment. Listen to the stories by joining the president of Howard University, Dr. Wayne A.I. Frederick, and his guest on The Journey. Student safety is always top of mind here at Howard University. We are always working to provide new and innovative ways of protecting all of the members of our community which makes our upcoming guest and this conversation especially timely. I'm proud of the strides we've made towards making our campus a safer environment. And the person sitting beside me has been an integral part of those efforts. Hello, my name is Dr. Wayne Frederick, and my guest today on the journey is Ariel Triplett, Director of Emergency Management and Safety for Howard University. Ms. Triplett, welcome to the journey. Thank you. So it's great to have you. So you're a Howard alum. So as a fellow Howard alum, I'd love to know what initially drew you to the university. So maybe you could tell us a bit about your background, where you grew up, and where you went to high school before we get to the Howard story. Sure. I, um, I'm from Chicago, Illinois, and I went to Mother Macaulay High School, and it's a liberal arts, all girls, okay. white, <laughs> white high school. And um, I decided that year, even though I had gotten into Purdue, I got in Purdue early, and I had a scholarship. I had visited Howard on a cold rainy day and I told my mom I was like this is it I gotta I gotta be here I know I'm supposed to be here and um, there were some racial things that happened at school my senior year and I convinced her after she had already put a deposit down and <laughs> mm. <laughs> convinced her to, that I was going to Howard and that's how I got here and you did that although you had a scholarship at Purdue you said so mm -hmm. you made a, that's a big choice and what did you uh, do at Howard uh, biology major. So I was a biology major, chemistry minor. Um, I did lots of activities. I was also on the swim team. So I was on the swim team all four years. I had a scholarship for that. Um, and I did Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated while I was here. And anything I could get into, I was trying to get into. Tell us a little bit about your home life in terms of your parents and your upbringing. Did you have siblings and what did your parents do? Absolutely. Um, I have a sister, a younger sister. Uh, she almost went to Hampton, so there could have been some rivalry there, but, <laughs> but she didn't. Both of my parents are from Chicago. My mom is a doctor and my dad is a lawyer. Okay. So let's jump into, you know, kind of public, you know, campus safety. What got you into this field in the first place? And maybe you could tell us a bit about what happened after you graduated to kind of where you are now. Sure, I did not come at this direct, right? So I, I came in a real roundabout, around the world <laughs> kind of way into campus safety. Um, I left Howard and got my master's in public health in a concentration in bioterrorism and disease control. Thought I was gonna study, you know, tropical diseases and that kind of thing, maybe go to medical school. Um, but I like the concept of helping communities. And public health is one of those focuses where everything's about the community. It's not just about the one person you see. So when um, I went to St. Louis University for my master's degree, and then I left, went to Beverly Hills and worked for the city of Beverly Hills, and then I kind of made a tour around the, <laughs> around the world, ended up in Atlanta, um, working and doing federal contracting. I came back here to DC, did some contracting as well, working at the Pentagon. And then I left and started higher education. So I was in Hi at High Point University in uh, North Carolina. When I left there, I came back here because uh, I got engaged. 
and then um, I ended up uh, working at Six Flags doing emergency management and safety for roller coasters. Mm -hmm. Interesting, very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Uh, and then I missed uh, healthcare and science, so I went back to um, being the regional emergency manager for Kaiser Permanente here in the Mid-Atlantic, uh, and then I was missing home, so I came on back here to Howard. So let's talk a, a bit about campus safety. You and your team have brought issues to me, videos that show some of the issues we participate, uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately, in causing it. And obviously, education is a big part of what we have to do. So, mm -hmm. so let me jump into some specific issues, and maybe you can give me some insight into resolving them. So, sure. having strangers in the residence halls um, mm -hmm. seems to be an issue, and there are back doors, for instance, are the towers that students hold open for mm -hmm. strangers. Um, I'm sure with good intentions, thinking that they're folks who live there, but. Yeah. Um, when we find people who are unauthorized being in a building, a lot of times that's mm -hmm. how they've accessed the building. Absolutely. What, what is the magnitude of that problem? What are the risks associated with that? And then, you know, what's the sol potential solution? Sure, sure. Well, the risk, the highest risk is that someone can always get hurt, right? Or, yes, items can get stolen, but it's more about the people. What's, what's, what's impacting our people and our community and how does that really, truly, um, lead to the next person because the next person you have a roommate you have classmates you have friends um then you don't go to class there's all the things that that stem from an, an unsafe act i think part of it is asking the community to participate right it's not just campus police or administration's responsibility for the safety of the facilities or the buildings or where you are it's also you the community um, and asking them to participate and and be a be a member of that and to work with you so we're doing a lot of communication with them and trying to make sure that they're participating, having a good time, um, but being vigilant at the same time, um, and that they have a voice. I think part of it is them having a voice in that. Is there value in locking down those, you know, opportunities for people to get in, but still recognizing that if we have an emergency such as a fire, we want people to have an egress to get out? And also, should we be using key card entry, um, you know, more expansively? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things I would love for us to do, and it's expensive, but, you know, ignore that part right now, <laughs> would be for, you know, when you have your hotel key, now you can do a mobile key, yep. um, that we turn all of our residence hall doors into mobile keys. So then that way you can't pass your key to someone else. You can't, you know, leave the door unlocked. Um, it, it's an automatic close. you got to have your phone with you. I mean, there's opportunities to do some Bluetooth so that we can give access to the right students and that kind of thing. But it's another way of locking doors. It's another way of, of providing and using technology that's out there to, to assist. You're listening to The Journey. My guest today is Ariel Triplett, Director of Emergency Management and Safety at Howard University. Well, one of the things that's clear, uh, I would say, about um, you know, some of this is that we obviously have to make investments mm -hmm. uh, that are significant and you have been making investments and maybe we can talk about some of those there's been a lot of conversation on campus about using the blue lights mm -hmm. um, which people can activate to alert if they mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable or they are in danger and going uh, having those go away and using the palms yeah. and maybe you could explain a little bit about why what was the analysis that went into kind of making that shift sure sure so chief Lyles led that initiative to um, bring the Palm and our Bison Safe uh, app to, to the campus. So we removed all the blue lights. In that process, we wanted to put something that was directly in your hand. And the reason that is, is because at the end of the day, 
almost everybody's got their cell phone. Um, to make it to a blue light, you have to get there, right? And no, they're not everywhere you are. Uh, so we wanted to provide something that was in hand and available to each and every person on the campus. Now, education has to be a big part of this and training. Um, I know that the department has been making efforts to try to educate the entire campus. Maybe you could talk about what types of trainings sure. you offer now, and we can start there, because I do want to get into the issue of training, how much people are participating, et cetera, but probably just start first sure. with, you know, kind of what are the trainings right now that you provide? Sure. We have lots of trainings. We have de-escalation, we have active shooter, we also have, um, we have bomb threat training. We do um, training for, like, we do sexual assault, which is sexual awareness. We do do that as well. We partner with some of our um, internal partners with student health and whatnot, and IVPP and Title IX. So um, we try to do a lot of preventative training. Uh, we also have emergency preparedness training as well. Right, and, and the goal, obviously, is to sensitize people as to what they need to do there. Yeah. What's the participation like at present? It's pretty good. So there's a lot of concerns. So we have a lot of students that give, that um, want to know more and want best ways to practice. Uh, we did do it for the RAs at the beginning of the year to make sure that the RAs were well prepared for an active shooter or a bomb threat. Um, and then we've been doing it throughout campus for uh, faculty, staff, especially faculty. They all have concerns about their specific buildings. So we're trying to get a little more specific about how you handle your building versus it just being a general campus-wide training. We have an open campus, and this is an ongoing discussion and debate. Should we maintain an open campus? Um, does that increase our risk? Should we close the campus? Should we have it partially you know, open or, or open just as an access point so that we can control access, especially in the case of an emergency? What, what are your thoughts about uh, being in an urban city uh, like D.C. and having an open campus? That's a trick question. But <laughs> I, uh, I feel that the way our campus is, is great, right? I think us being an open campus is, is the right thing. I don't think moving into a, a very locked down situation is truly going to change what someone may want to do, right? Um, people find ways. People are like water. If they can find a way, they'll, they'll get in there. Um, I think we just take, take different steps, right? Just just make sure that we're prepared, we're doing the right steps, we have the right connections in the community, um, that we're looking out for each other. I think that's one of the bigger things. Can we have each other's backs while we're here on campus? We've had some incidents in the past, um, you know, scares around active shooter. We've had several bomb threats as Absolutely. many of the HBCUs. What's the current status um, of that activity investigation as well as uh, you know, kind of the thinking of the department as to mm -hmm. how we are responding to those things and how prepared are we to those to be able to secure the campus and its occupants uh, in the event that one of those things moves from being a threat to actually being an actual emergency. Yeah. Um, fortunately, but unfortunately, we have had over eight bomb threats, and uh, that's really prepared us. I think, <laughs> unfortunately, we're subject matter experts at it at the moment, but it, it gave us different strategies on how we're going to deal with whether it happens on a certain side of campus, a different side of campus, working with MPD and the FBI. There's a lot of um, strategy and planning that we have altered due to the fact that we've had those threats. Um, for active shooter, it's a little different. It's, it's difficult to know best practices when we're, we are that open. Mm -hmm. um, but we make the changes. We, we've been practicing. We, 
We're constantly training. We're constantly making sure that the force is ready. We spend time with MPD coming on campus, learning buildings, ins and outs. So we try to do it behind the scenes because I think it can it can be kind of scary for students. You want to have a good time. It's a nice hot day. <laughs> but uh, we do want to make sure that we're, we're ready. So we're constantly doing something different. You've mentioned collaborations with Metropolitan Police Department as an example. What are the other types of uh, agencies or uh, offices we partner with in terms of expanding our reach to ensure that we can keep man, keep and maintain a safe campus. Absolutely. It might seem strange, but Department of Education, as well as FEMA, we've been working with Homeland Security, um, HCMA, which is DC's Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency. I work with um, Maryland as well as Virginia's Emergency Management Agencies, um, FBI as well, uh, and then um, recently EPA, and I know it sounds like a stretch, but there we're, we're pulling in the EHS and a sustainability arm inside of the department, so it, it kind of has spanned different for safety. So there's a lot of different agencies, and it, it's super helpful. And what about travel? Um, as, in, as you move around, should people be traveling around in groups rather than um, on their own, and what is the protocol if you're on campus late at night in the library, it's dark, while we try to keep yeah. the campus well lit, uh, can students be escorted back to their residence halls? Yes, absolutely. So we have a couple of um, things. So on your Bison Safe app, you can do what's called a friend walk. Um, and you start the walk, it basically tracks you. It doesn't track you where you're going, per se. It just makes sure that it leaves a little breadcrumbs so we can see. Um, there's also the opportunity to make sure you have your palm. You can always call us at 202-806-1100 and talk to dispatch. Um, we, and we also recommend working in groups, um, traveling in groups. And then if you're going to get in an Uber or a Lyft to do what they call a say my name, you need to have them tell you who they are. Don't just get in the Lyft. Um, and that's anywhere in the city. So. Right. I always like to close with, especially for Howard alums, uh, why Howard? Why not Howard? And then, I mean, it's, it's amazing to be here. It is amazing to be here. It, it made me who I am today. I am more than honored to be back here and to give that to students, faculty and staff, and help in that format. Um, and it, it's just, it's inside you. Once you get here and how it fosters that inner piece of you that you didn't know you had, but it was, it's always been there. Uh, it's, it's cool to, to bring it back and do it again. Excellent. Thanks for being here. My guest today was Ariel Triplett, Director of Emergency Management at Howard University. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. Please join me next time on The Journey.